Hello and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. This is episode 102. Um, we are in the element series for the whole of 2021 where we look at different elements of craft. At the moment we are deep in the season of point. Um, I have called it point rather than point of view or perspective um, just because I still have so many questions <laughs> around what this aspect of writing means like um, where we tell the story from, um, this movement between different psyches, different consciousnesses, different personalities. Um, yeah, I, I'm still extremely, um, what's the word? I'm going to use a positive word and say curious about these things. So I'm very grateful um, to the writers that um, come on the podcast and sort of um, approach these conversations with that same kind of openness. Um, yeah, um, I always any question I'm asking is not rhetorical, <laughs> any question I'm asking is totally about, um, yeah, I'm asking it because I don't understand, um, I find writing quite a mysterious thing. This episode I get to talk to Casey Hart, um, Casey's latest novel Butcher Bird has recently come out on Huia, um, it's an amazing book, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I loved it, um, it's spooky and sexy and just wonderful, it's really great and um, I was very really grateful that Casey, um, was able to spend some time um, talking about um, point um, and these questions about um, perspective um, during the week that the book came out. I'm really grateful for that. Um, and yeah, just the generosity. Um, yeah, it was really great. Thank you so much, Casey. Um, you can get copies of Butcher Bird um, online at the moment. Um, I am recording this from lockdown. I think that Casey and I were in lockdown when we recorded this over Zoom. So yeah, um, you can get copies of Butcher Bird um, online. Um, I think that's everything. I would just like to thank Copyright Licensing New Zealand um, for funding this series. Um, oh, 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 while we're talking about copyright, um, I'm very grateful to Overland Journal, um, who, uh, helped me, um, develop an article, um, about the copyright takedown of this podcast, um, which happened recently, um, and that article is on their website now. Giovanni Tiso, as always, was an amazing editor and helped me sort of clarify um, what was important about that experience and what I really wanted to say, so thanks Giovanni. Um, that article is on Overland and I will put a link to it on our website, which is better-red.com. Um, now I think that's everything and I hope you enjoy the podcast um, and yeah we, we will see you at the end for um, an exercise of sorts Hi Casey, how are you? I'm fantastic, thanks Thanks for having me Yeah, it's really lovely to talk to you Far out. I don't think we've seen each other since summer No, not since um, not since the writers retreat I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a very, it's a very different day today though <laughs> could not be more different <laughs> <laughs> hey thanks heaps for coming on the podcast and I wondered if we could start by me asking you if you'd be willing to introduce yourself however you want to introduce yourself sure I can do that um ko tutoko te mauka ko makafio te awa ko kaitahu te iwi ko katimaha kiki makafio te hapu ko kesi tokoga I'm a Māori writer from Taranaki, which is not sunny today, but mostly is. 
um, yeah, I write a lot of different speculative fiction things, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and yeah, that's that's me. Awesome, thank you. Um, I today we've sort of decided to take as a bit of an object or I suggested this and you were um, generous enough to let me do this because I love your book <laughs> so much Yay. so we're going to be talking about Butcher Bird um, which is a relatively new book I think you launched it last week is that right yeah we had the official launch on Friday the 13th because it's a spooky book um, but idea. it's been yeah, yeah I know I was like thinking about weekend dates and I was like oh Saturday's the 14th have I got anything what hang on that means Friday's the 13th <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so I was, I was wondering if um you'd be willing to sort of describe Butcher Bird like how you see it and yeah I don't know however you want to do that like either a plot summary or you know themes of I book or that kind really of like to describe Butcher Bird as a love letter to my grandparents farm in the form of a kind of creepy book <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's my that's my favorite uh, description of what it is because it's set on a fictional version of the farm but it's very much holds many of the things I love about that farm and yeah so it, I did start writing it as a as a kind of kind of like a shout out to my childhood in some ways even though it's definitely not a book for children <laughs> it's so I mean it, the place is so rich in it and I guess in a way like we're talking about point of view um in this current sort of season of the podcast and one of the things I wondered if you'd mind starting with is just talking about there are two characters through which the story is told Gina and Will and both of them are sort of visitors to the place with, yeah. you know and I just wonder if you could describe what it is to describe place through point of view if you know what I mean yeah I think um oh that's a really good question and I'm, I'm not sure I've had enough coffee for it yet this morning. Let's, <laughs> let's see. I, so, so from Jenna's point of view, um, the, the farm is kind of, a lot of it is her memory of the farm kind of overlaid over what is there now, which was really mm. fun to kind of play with, to have her kind of revisiting a place she hasn't been in, a, in almost two decades. And half of what she's seeing or feeling is actually echoes of her childhood in her life before she was sent away. Whereas for Will, it's kind of a place that he's heard about, um, but hasn't been before. So he's, but also because he's there before Jenna, he's also kind of, you know, even though it's technically her family farm, he's in, not in possession, but he's he's holding the space for her to be there, which is so that's a really interesting kind of um, twist on when you think about like um like if you were to go into Marae you've got the manahi the visitors coming on and then you've got the the people who belong there and it's kind of they're both both of them in some respects mm -hmm. and like do you remember at what point you decided that it would be told from those two points of view was that an early decision or I can tell you exactly when that happened <laughs> um it happened when I was writing it must have been chapter two I think Will shows up and Gina got to the got to the front door and she knocked on the door and he answered it 
he didn't <laughs> exist before that moment um but he answered the door and I was like who the hell are you and what are you doing and he's like well I'm here now uh, and it was so bizarre because I totally just planned to write the whole book from her perspective I mean I mean really quickly after I started writing it he turned up and and turned that on um, which was turned out really beautifully I think like I really I really like Will and um, I really enjoyed writing him but yeah it was it was total surprise for me <laughs> to discover there was a second um, main character that I didn't have any idea about I didn't know him at all <laughs> I, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting here grinning because I love it when those things happen when you're writing eh? Do, I, mean, yeah. I mean and like did they happen a lot when you're writing they do they do they do happen a lot and I'm always like anytime you try and describe that to a non-writer they're like but but you're but you're writing the story I'm like that doesn't mean I can't be surprised I am always surprised and I love to be surprised it's one of my favorite things about writing but I don't think any character has shown up quite so um surprisingly as Will did because I'd done like before I started writing it I started writing it for like National Novel Writing Month and I'd spend a couple of weeks before that hashing out like Jenna's backstory and all this other kind of stuff and I was like, yep, I'm ready and I'm prepared. And then I start writing. And then he's there and I'm like, I haven't done any work here. I don't, <laughs> where the hell are you? Where did you come from? Um, yeah, but I'm glad he showed up and I'm glad he stuck around as well. Yeah, it just seemed really na natural once he was there that he, he needed to have space of his own too. Yeah, because I think that is one of the real genius moves of the book is that like the book is a lot about different, people being in possession of different pieces of information if you know what I mean mm, I think yeah. you know and that is part of the thrill of it and Will and Gina have different types of information about the place that they're in and I guess like I guess once you get to know Will you know what he knows it, yeah yeah I really liked not revealing all of that to the reader straight off the bat though Mm, um, yeah. because he is a little bit less straightforward than like Jenna is a bit of a mess and she's quite out there like you know like in terms of her emotion and her and the way she's dealing with her current set of um, difficulties being her grandmother's dying and also being dumped back into past trauma she's not coping the best whereas Will is a bit more reserved and he takes it takes a bit more to draw him out and so I liked um I really enjoyed using that as a way to kind of like also introduce him to the reader and that he's not he's not just going to show up and show you exactly who he is straight away he might get you get some hints and stuff but it's not all out there right from the beginning so do you think I I often wonder this about my own writing like sometimes I don't know everything either and it's kind of through the process of writing the book like we've talked about those surprises but is it important for you to know everything Will knows from the beginning and then decide what comes in and out or is he sort of teaching you as you write the book yeah he's definitely sort of teaching me as I write the book and the same with most stories I'm um, um... I don't do really, really heavy outlines for the most part. So I'm always discovering new things as I write, which is, which I really enjoy. I, you've got to have those fun things in there that you don't know about. As, as a writer, <laughs> that's my preference is to, is to be surprised because I know other people will also be surprised um, because, because then you can also layer bits back in a bit and further like foreshadowing earlier in the story. So that it's kind of like people go, oh, and then they go, oh, actually, you know, I did kind of have an inkling about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I love it. it time. Yeah. Yeah, I love it when there's one of those inevitable things where you're just like, ah, oh, that makes oh, that makes sense. I get that now. I get it. <laughs> one of the things that I think is really of interest to me in here, like um, you know, like I I mean I just breezed over it on the first read, but on the second read I was thinking there's this really interesting thing happening with point of view around what we might call um, I never know the right word. Sometimes people call it magical. Sometimes people call it the surreal. Sometimes people call it the super real. And I'm just thinking like Gina and Will, I suspect have slightly different relationships to yeah. things that are happening that are perhaps, you know, like, and I think that that's something that all of us have, you know, like, um, yeah, Definitely. depending on background and stuff like that do you want to talk a little bit about how yeah these I, I don't know what, what do you call those events like how do you talk about them it's hard to kind of put a name on it because because in in so many cultures it's it's like it's fantasy it's um it's magic or it's you know other it's the supernatural but then also in other cultures the supernatural is actually just part of everyday life Mm. Um, so I think I, for me as a writer, that's always quite interesting to explore because as I um, dig deeper into my Māori heritage and learn more about different things, I can accept that some of the things that, not accept, I kind of embrace that some things that I think are totally normal because that's how I was raised, other people think is a bit cuckoo. Um, you know, like I yeah the, the different belief systems of like this is a real thing that my ancestors can communicate with me and other people are like that's just make believe or fantasy or maybe you're crazy um this is just probably more I will explore that in the future <laughs> definitely because I think it's quite a complex interesting delicious thing to think about what is what is real and what is not real and yeah how that relates to individuals and also groups as well I think uh, yeah, because I think so. In this, in terms of this book, I always kind of thought of it as Will was a bit like my Mulder and Jenna's my Scully. Awesome. <laughs> you know, awesome. so you have that little 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 bit of um, they're, they're coming at this this thing from two different sides. Um, one with a belief that something else is happening, and one with the belief that it's just that her family's yeah kind of messed up. And, and, you know, they are kind of messed up, just maybe not for the reasons that she thinks they are. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah. So I guess, like, leading on from that, I guess one of the things I'm interested in is how you let a reader know what to pay attention to and how to pay attention to it as far as something that's outside, you know, that kind of genre of realism. And I'm just wondering, I feel like in Butcher Bird, a lot of that work is being done because we get this incredibly co close perspective to Gina and Will. And I'm just wondering, have you, got, have you got thoughts about that? Like how you signal to a reader what sort of worldview they're in? Um, I, you know, I, I'm not even sure I think about it that much. I really do love writing that close perspective. Um, and my, because most of what I write is is speculative I think it's um easy to signal that there's other th there's other things going on because it's kind of expected in my in my writing for a starter so like the readers are going to know <clears throat> that's what there's something something else is going on here and that's what they like <laughs> um so that's that's really helpful but I don't know in terms of yeah 
I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like what are some of the things that I did in the book? But I think they all, I don't know, they all work, but everything does its, does its job. I like to think that if you, if you really want to draw the reader's eye to something, you have to mention it a couple of times. Otherwise, like the first time they're like, that could be just a comment in passing mm. or it, um, but if you mention it a couple of times, they're more likely to pick up and go, oh, that's a something. Or even if you, so here was, here's one thing that doesn't have any kind of um, spoileriness is that randomly, like in my original draft, Gina has a book from her childhood that is Alice in Wonderland. And I put that in there specifically just because I have a really good friend who adores Alice in Wonderland. And Fitty's like, you have to make that come back somehow. <laughs> and so like all through rewriting the book I'm like where can I put in some kind of reference to Alice in Wonderland and so I made sure that later on in the book I did I did so it's not a it's not a perspective thing but it's a tying tying things in kind of like if you're going to mention something um and it's it stands out it has to have some kind of relevance to to the story or be come back into play at some point yeah I, I really really like that and I often I think even that sort of that Alice in Wonderland is there for me was a bit of a pointer to the possibilities of yeah the, the possibilities that um and and that's what I think is so clever about the character of Gina and the way that we like I instantly felt um I really loved it right from the start and like Yay. it was really great because we were sort of going through a lot of this with her you know what I mean yeah and, you know there were decisions you know that she was sort of working the world out as I was reading her which I found really great yeah working the world out but also giving you insights to how it used to be as well so you get yeah. a few a few levels of you're coming in with her things have changed but also she's kind of letting you know what's what's different and mm. what might be important and what's not different but also might be important so like having that awareness of the space around her and the space that she's in and how how she relates to that yeah I I like when we talk about it like I often feel with my own work that sometimes like the reading of my own work and the writing of my own work seem quite separate you know what I mean like I yeah I often don't notice it as I'm writing and I definitely am not often trying to make things happen in the right in the writing do you feel like that or or do you, like you said you don't you don't overly plan and I'm the same and I like I it's always hard to describe these kind of x-factor kind of things but like what does a day of writing look like for you like are you a writer that writes every day or um do you carve out some time in other places or yeah and and how do you know what you're working on like when you do finally get to sit in front of the computer how do you decide what you're writing for that day um I usually like to write on just one project at one time or if mm -hmm. I'm doing multiple things like I do one first draft and one revision mm -hmm. um yeah, so I, I can't write two different things at one time or they both just end up being the same thing. Um, and that doesn't really work. <laughs> not, not very exciting for readers um, if everything is just the same. So, you know, that's, that can be a bit tricky. I currently have two characters in two different series that every now and then I'm like, oh, no, I've got to, I have to stop with this, this one. I have to pull, pull her back to who she is because she's very a little bit close to the other one now. Um, yeah, so I, I do write every day. I always have something on the go. I try and write first thing in the morning because I homeschool my kids. So they yeah. are thankfully sleeping in a lot these days. So they're, they're quite often not up till eight or 8.30, which I love. Um, 
and I'm quite often up at 5, 5.30, so that gives me some time to kind of get everything I need to get done in the day, and then I'll just slide in other pieces of time um, across the day as I can when they're out or when other things are going on. Yeah, it's sometimes fast and sometimes slow, but <laughs> it's always <laughs> progress, um, which is, I, I find for me, if I don't, if I don't stay in the story, it, it's really hard to get back to it. So I really, yeah, I love to write, start and then write all the way through. And I think that helps with what you were saying before about the things that you don't realize might be important. Uh, Cause I quite often I will, when, I've, when I'm writing, I'm not thinking about it, but then when I go back and read it, I'll be like, oh my God, I totally foreshadowed that. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. I like my, my brain was kind of subconsciously picking away at plot points and tying things together. And, and my conscious brain was not thinking about that. And then my, my conscious writing brain and my unconscious brain just kind of have a party when I've got my fingers on the keyboard and it kind of comes out and it's like this beautiful magic of writing. <laughs> oh man. I so love that. Such a good description of it. And, and like um, just that thing you were saying about, yeah, I, I feel similar. Like if I'm not in the work, I'm not, do you know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. sparking at all. And, and, you know, like there are those really great moments where I might dream something or yeah. you know, like I'll be <laughs> doing the dishes and I'll think, oh yeah, like I yes. just, yeah, I do think that, that my subconscious needs to sort of be chewing away at it. And if I'm not looking at it every day, it just, you know, it disappears. It disappears. Yeah. yeah. You've written so much. Like, I mean, well, no, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I love, I love your work so much and I always feel grateful that you have written so much. And oh, I just wonder, you. like, were you someone who wrote as a child or like, um, you know, can you remember sort of that decision to decide to write every day and, you know, decide to give time to it? Yeah, I have, I have always written. That is definitely me. Uh, <laughs> in a nutshell, I still remember the first story I remember writing was about a girl who went into a cave and there was a dragon and of course, you know, the dragon's hoard of treasure. Um, and I don't remember what happened. I think they ended up being friends. I was about six. Um, and there were some really cool drawings as well. <laughs> it's the first, first story I remember. So I was into fantasy right from the get-go. Um, but my family, we had a like a big communal kind of library because my grandparents lived on a farm up the road and then just down from there, my aunt and uncle and their kids lived and then just further down the road we lived. So <clears throat> we'd spend time traipsing up and down the road, playing at my auntie's house, so lots of time on the farm. Um, and in the holidays, my, my cousins would come and stay with my grandparents and we'd all kind of band together and I'd give everyone characters and create a story and would just go and play for hours across across the farm that was kind of iconic childhood time for me mm. yeah so, so always <laughs> I'm so interested like um when I look back at sort of like the beginnings of my writing so much of it is play you know like an imagination yeah. and then you know and like I often every now and then I'm writing and I think oh I get to play with my imaginary friends you know like <laughs> I don't yes. know like I just really love it I really love yeah. it yeah it, it, it's a really I, I don't know it's one of the better jobs I've had <laughs> <laughs> the pay could be better but you know <laughs> pay could be a lot better but um yeah I think it's one of the most frustrating things as a writer is that usually you can't help it you kind of keep having you have to keep writing even if the pay sucks or even if you don't get the huge contract you want or whatever like I couldn't stop writing even if no one ever read my work again I would still have to keep writing <laughs> because it's so much a part of who I am 
Oh, I so relate. I so relate. I so relate. I just, yeah, I, I, I just, I really, really, really relate. Um, yeah. When we think about some of the other work um, that you've written and just like point of view as a tool, like where a story is told from, um, you know, when you're choosing the people that are going to be the people that we're close to as the story unfolds, are there any, is there anything you look out for in those people or do they call to you in the story? Like, do you sort of look at the story and think, and then suddenly the best option for a point of view character comes forward or do you, do you, what, how, can you sort of articulate how that process works? Yeah, normally for me, I have a character really early on. Um, most of my stories start with a character <clears throat> or a character in a situation that there's, the, t- the times that I don't know who the character is, is the most, when I have to do the most reworking, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, which can be, like I had, I had one short story, and I can't, I can't remember what the title was when it was published, um, it was a while ago now, but that I rewrote that story like six, seven times, just to, like, just to different point of view, different tense, oh, it was, what was it, oh, man, I can't remember, it was in, an anthology and I can't remember the name of the either this is how good my brain is this morning but um yeah like at first it was like a guy from third person and then I was like well maybe it needs to be a guy from first no it wasn't that so I tried all of these different things until I finally met the person I was meant to be writing it as and then it was really easy to write because mm. she came up she showed up with her story um and it was quite good so I think for me so much revolves around character and like it's really hard to like if I have a really cool idea but no character, I can't write. <laughs> I don't even know, you know, until I until I find out who, until I meet that person who I'm going to tell it through, who the vehicle, you know, like whose whose story it is. Um, I can't can't make any progress with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's really really central to to that. And usually, I know what they, you know, I I do tend to because I self publish quite a lot. I do tend to write things in in the kind of tense and perspective that is expected of certain genres mm, mm. because it makes the most sense to do that. And then other times I'll try and write something in a different way and then I'll keep slipping, <laughs> like keep slip, slipping into, you know, um, third person from first person or back the other way or whatever, it, you know. It just sometimes the story is like, no, this is how it needs to be told. And other times um, I can manipulate that, but it's not, it's definitely not consistent. Carrying on from what you were saying then, one of the things that I really love is that I feel like um, if I'm writing for publication, I'm writing into a context, if you know what I mean, like that stuff you were saying about how um, certain genre have certain ideas about, you know, um, where things should be and how things should be. And I think, you know, like I'm always interested because you're, I'm, you know, I'm writing into a, hopefully some readers who have been taught by all the books that they've read, you know, like how they want to read and stuff like that. Yeah. I just, I don't know, like, um, and often I'm, I'm using characters that have been before as well, you know, like, a, you know, like, a, yeah. obsessed with Heathcliff and, you know, like in, in that last thing that I wrote, I was always interested in like doppelganger, you know, like that's, Ooh. that's a tradition of story, you know, Yeah. I just wonder, do you, like, I mean, I'm really interested in what that allows us to do, you know, like if, 
you know, I'm just thinking of fast zombies at the moment. Like, you know, like it allows nice. us to say, like, you know, you've always seen these slow zombies. Here's fast zombies. That's scary, right? And I just wonder, yeah, I, I wonder about that idea of writing into context. Like, how, like, is that is that exciting in a way that you can um, either write with expectation or away from expectation? If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I love it. And to be, you know, totally honest, when I was planning for Butch Bird, I literally went onto the TV Tropes website and I looked up a bunch of horror tropes and I was like, which, what do I want to play with? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what are some things? Because I think that, I mean, as much as people, and I'm not saying that my book is stereotypical or cliched or anything like that, but when people, when you, when you set up an expectation, people so often want to be satisfied by mm. that and you either need to twist it really satisfyingly or deliver what you've set up you know like I think that's I think a lot of people get down on books that are like you know not for being predictable as such but like for the, the writing the tropes and stuff but readers love those tropes mm. I love I love certain tropes I have read so many books about small groups of people on isolated islands this year yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> because because I love them um, and I've been reading lots of books about um, horror camps you know like camps that go horrifically wrong because mm. I love those too you know and I'm like so in my head I'm like I have this list of, of tropes I want to play with um, because I love those books and I want to see what I can do within the confines of those expectations and tropes and um, how I can make it my own in a way because we're all different we all have different um perspectives and places we've come from and things that will inform our writing so I think that even if I like and I know this for a fact is that even if you give someone the exact same um like oh my goodness what is the right word like the same prompt they'll mm. come up with such a completely different story from each other we've, I've literally done this in old writing groups like six of us writing to the same prompt and our stories could not be more different <laughs> because because we were so different as people um so I think that yeah I really like those those kind of yeah the tropes or the expectations and what you can do with you then subvert them or or um you know double down into them Mm. I think it can be really fun I'm not opposed to constraints on my writing at all I actually think it's it can be quite cool I um I've done a, a fair bit of writing in like shared world settings where other people um, come up with the world and a, you kind of got a, a set of rules that you need to abide by and a set of things that must be in the book or must be mentioned and then it's up to you how you make it all come together and I find it quite fun like I know some people feel really stifled by that but I I really in, enjoy that kind of thing yeah I I feel the same way like um you know often uh, yeah like I'm just thinking you know like you know I've got a book that was you know like I read everything I could about you know like desert island stories and then I read everything I could about survival stories and stuff like that and I think um the, the thing you're talking about what I love the sound of it and when I am doing it in practice is that it does feel like writing it's it feels more like a conversation perhaps than you know like I don't know I just I really love it and I really like I think that's I mean, not that we're in the um, what do you call it in the in the um, in the in the job of giving advice, but I think <laughs> reading reading everything you can of a certain trope is a really good way to get it kind of. Well, I've done that before just to get it into my body, if you know what I mean. Yes, you kind of you can you can soak it all in, 
and then that's kind of sloshes around inside you along with your own ideas and then what comes out is really informed by what's happened before it's not necessarily going to be the same because it's not but um but you've got that that core knowledge of how this kind of story generally works and then you can Mm. work from there yeah that's I just I really love what you said about that about it sort of sloshing around because often that is yeah like I mean I I can sort of yeah I don't know I just I I really love it I really really love it I love it so much and I hope it's okay (laughs) to talk about this you've been talking a little bit on social media that you're writing collaboratively at the moment and I wonder um is is that something like you don't normally do or something you normally do or how are you finding it um I'm really really enjoying it so I have done like I've done like I said I've done the writing in a shared world thing mm-hmm. and I did some ghost writing which was quite fun um and now I'm doing co-writing is what they what they call it basically it's two of us we're both writing on the same the same story we're both contributing equal kind of ideas and time to it and that's been really really cool like I was really nervous about it there's lots of things that can go wrong in that space yeah. when you have different personalities or um, different writing speeds or different quality of writing but um, I've known this author for a while she's a Canadian author um, actually I met her in a shared world project and we've been friends since then and she was just like hey do you want to write this with me and I said yes because she's so fun and she has a giant great Dane who um, is adorable <laughs> yeah. yeah and she's just she's um she's really creative and also she's a real master with details and I was like well you know I, we can both learn some things from each other here and so we're writing in her world which I haven't read all of the books of so she's kind of like set out what things I might need to consider and um we came up with this system that we thought would work for us and it has worked really beautifully oh my god the story's so tight I love it um, it's fantastic uh yeah really really stoked about how it's come out and basically we did the outline and we kind of feed off each other so I'm like oh I feel like you know we just need to do this and she's like yeah let's blow stuff up and let's let's have monsters and let's you know so we're really terrible influences but also fantastic influences in some way because when one of us goes hey let's do this crazy thing the other one goes oh my god yes let's do that crazy thing (laughs) Um, which makes for a lot of fun plus we have similar senses of humor which I think really helps as well so yeah I've had practice matching my writing style to other people's but actual fact I did all the first draft so we did the outline and then we fleshed out the outline yeah we did the broad outline together and then she fleshed out the beats for each chapter Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went through and did a first draft of the whole thing but making lots of notes for places I wanted her to flesh out with world stuff or with details I didn't have um, pictures of in my head because I so I have aphantasia I can't picture things so for details for my own writing I make Pinterest boards so I can refer to them otherwise I'd I will not remember what color people's eyes are. And that's quite important to some people in romance genres. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, they like to know those kind of things. And I'm like, oh, he, he's got eyes. <laughs> I don't remember what color they are. But um, so, you know, like anything like that, I'd just leave for her. And it was quite nice because I could write quite fast, not having to think about all the little details I normally take ages over. So I finished the first draft and she went back through and like just about doubled every single chapter. So it grew massively. And then I went back through for a last consistency pass before it went off to um, 
to edits and it worked really really well like it was so good we played to our strengths and um came out with a fantastic story I really really stoked about it so it's a nice first experience in co-writing you kind of have to be invested but not precious about anything mm. you know like I can I you know if I write something and she deletes it I can't feel sad about that because you know it's better for it it's it's that kind of being able to kind of relationship where you can just be you you trust the other person with the integrity of what they're doing and they trust you um yeah if that makes sense but yeah not being precious is really important <laughs> um otherwise I think it'll be frustrating yeah I just um you've kind of blown my mind because like I always think I don't know this collaboration or this co-writing sounds so um like it's it's just collaborative on so many different levels if you know what I mean like I yeah. you know there have been projects I've been involved with where I'm like okay I'll write this character you, you know there's clear delineation yeah. but what I love yeah. about what you're doing is it sounds like you really are almost mind melding well you know like melding you know, out it, yeah yeah it is because it's a product of both of us it really mm. is like sometimes I'll read back and I'll go oh man this is so good and she's like you wrote that I'm like, I don't even remember that I wrote that. I just, I thought that must have been you. She's like, no, that was you. She's kind of like, we kind of think of it as I set, I set everything up and she knocks it out of the park. So that's our kind of team effort. Yeah. That sounds really great. Oh my God, what an amazing relationship. Um, and, and, and so interesting that these relationships are happening sort of all over the world at the moment, you know. And they I really think, are. Yeah. And, and do you think, like, is that something that is a pre-COVID as well as a post-COVID thing, do you think? Or has the world got that weird thing? I, I feel like in some ways the world's got smaller as I haven't been able to travel places, which seems, you know, counterintuitive. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, in self-publishing, it's been a thing for probably before COVID. Um, mm. And the reason that lots of people do it is because it means they can have multiple releases like they can release things more often, which is always good for content and stuff. Um, I know some people who will put out a book, you know, every month and they've got three different people they co-write with. And that kind of blows my mind because I don't think I could cope with it. <laughs> um, because I think I think there's quite a heavy, um, it's, it's not a heavy, uh, not a heavy investment, it's a, but it's a time commitment. You're kind of, so when I'm committing to a co-writer in this instance I'm not just committing to this project that we're working on I'm committing to be there for her when she needs me for other things and she's committing the same like it's kind of a it's a relationship not just a not just a business partnership it's mm. a you know it's it's a relationship on a lot of levels so I think I think there's lots of different ways to do it as you said there's you know people who can do I'll write one perspective and you write the other um this one worked really well for us and we're looking forward to our next one which will be vampires <gasps> this one was werewolves um and a kind of like a kind of futuristic um urban fantasy rapunzel reimagining uh, yeah it, it sounds amazing i cannot wait to read it yeah it was very, very fun. It. Oh gosh hey um one thing i was just sort of jumping off from that um now I I'm making assumptions here, so you can you can smash these assumptions. But Butcher Bird feels like it's a contained work that, like I could imagine revisiting the place, revisiting some of the characters. But it also, and as do your series books as well. You know, like you, you can sort of pick them up all over the place. But I'm wondering, what is it to sort of 
be thinking in a series mind frame as a writer as opposed to be thinking in a single work sort of um, feeling or is that or is that a silly question no I don't think it's a silly question I definitely have some books that are standalones or that I think are um, and others that were always going to be a series interestingly enough I had planned Butcher Bird as a series but I re I changed the ending because um, oh Butcher Bird don't publish a lot of series and I didn't want (laughs) to I've, I've done this thing in the past, like um, when I wrote Suntouch, I published it and people were like, oh, we need a sequel. So I thought it would be a series, but I still haven't got around to it. In my head, that was just a standalone book. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people were like, no, you need to write more of these. And I kept thinking I should, but I haven't haven't had a chance yet. Um, so for Butcher Bird, it was going to be a series because it was going to be Will's book next. Um, oh, wow. Looking at what, what happened with his mother. And I've actually, I, like I wrote like a 10,000 word short thing about what happened to him when he was a teenager with his mum so yeah I wrote that after (laughs) after um I wrote Butcher Bird but yeah so there was a I had a plan to do that and there were some other things that that I had thinking of as well but yeah I did rewrite the ending of it just to give it more closure as such um Mm. just in case you know like I could come back to it but I'm not obliged to come back to it if no. that makes sense yeah 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 I, I think that's probably probably a smart way to go about it in a lot of ways um with series I, I'm terrible with um like cliffhangers I hate them <laughs> I hate like I don't mind reading them if I can read them straight away but I hate the idea of leaving leaving someone hanging for months mm. and months and months or years waiting for the next thing so I like to even in a series I like to close off the current storyline if I can while also leaving space for people to imagine where the next thing might be going mm-hmm. yeah I know a lot of people do it differently but I just can't bring myself to do massive cliffhangers <laughs> at ends of books always grateful for that that's <laughs> really yeah I, I really yeah um and I wonder you know like I often think I I, I don't know for me this is just me um being entertained um but I really love it when a world kind of bleeds out of the book like um you know this idea that there's also a reimagining of Will's kind of stuff those those things are in the world that yeah um, because often the world is so good and I just I want to be in it and the people are interesting and it's a little bit I don't know like I often think that the book I always have trouble with endings and I'm kind of like it's so weird that we're going to say this is the part of the story that you know and this is the part of the story you don't get to know like it's, it's really weird it is really weird I um I found it quite interesting over time because I'm terrible with endings like endings are not my I, I hate doing them the closer I get to the end of writing a book the slower I write mm-hmm. because because I like dreading that but also I when in the real world things don't wrap up nice and tidily all the time <laughs> and I think that was the problem with Suntouched is there were all these questions people still had like the story finished but they were like but what about these things mm. and we want to know about these and I'm like well I'm quite happy building that world like building what might happen in my head but other people want there to be more books mm, you know yeah. <laughs> so really. yeah I, I don't know because that's kind of life you know you meet someone and something happens and then they get off the train and you never see mm. them again and that's that's normal <laughs> it's it's life um, and it's yeah and there's also that wonderful thing where 
like I feel more well not more and more it's just that I'm like coming to it like if people are interested in different things often people will write that themselves you know what I mean like you know there's so much fiction yeah I just I love it hey um we're almost done but I'm gonna ask a very selfish question which you do not um (laughs) you know you do not have to answer but there's a degree of romance in Butch Bird and um you know it's it's a to me it feels like a, a bit of a um twist on perhaps I don't like I mean there are there are familiar things about the romance in it but also you know there's some things that are different about it and I'm just wondering what what do you think the key this is totally me asking for advice what do you think are the key things that romance needs to do like what right. like like what if if someone say me um mm-hmm. was trying to write romance what would be your like what what advice like obviously reading lots of romance but yeah, yeah. I don't know what what do you think what kind of um are you like romance with a capital R the genre or just books with romance in them I reckon both like both. if it's possible but I mean <laughs> I really like that you've made that distinction because I think that's a really interesting distinction that's to super make, super important to to kind of think about it because I think there's a lot more conversations these days about romance in books because for so long romance has been capital R romance it's it's just designated to romance novels um Mm. but romance is just another relationship and Mm. lots of people have all sorts of like I love writing relationships and not just romantic ones I love writing all sorts of relationship dynamics you know siblings and parents and friends and um people you know strangers all all sorts of different ones um and um romantic relationships are just they're just another relationship in my head but um definitely reading books that are good examples of that if you're writing romance in the genre definitely read those books I mean the main expectation is a happy ending <laughs> um oh you've gotta gotta have that happy ending um you know it's a happily for now or a happily ever after either are fine um when it comes to romance and in any books because it is popping up more and I think people are being more accepting that books can be romance books without being capital R (laughs) romance books Mm. I hope one day the stigma goes away from that because like I said it's just it's just another relationship um but yeah just to to think about how how it impacts on your main character and also the story that you're trying to tell Mm. I think um for Butcher Bird it was an interesting because there is there is romance in it but it's not your kind of conventional romance and there's a lot of learning that goes on across the book for Jenna and yeah and some of that comes from some of that comes from the way other people view her partner as well I think mm, mm, which is because yeah. that, so that's you know quite often we think about how how it feels for the character without looking outside that to see how how other people are impacted by it or the way other people are responding or the other pe- things other people are seeing about it that they might not necessarily know, which can be really interesting too. Oh my God, that is amazing. Thank you so much for the generosity <laughs> of that answer. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, um, that brings us to the end. I just want to say thank you so much. I am so excited about Butcher Bird. I don't know. Like, is there anything else you want to say about it? Or I don't know. It's got a beautiful uh, cover. 
It does have a stunning cover. If you go into a bookstore and you ask for that bright green book, they'll probably tell you, <laughs> they'll point Butcher Bird out to you because that is that is the book. Um, I love the cover so much. When I when I saw it, I was like, do you mean a traditional publisher is going to let me have a dead bird head on my book? Like, is that, <laughs> is that a thing? Can I do that? Is that allowed? Like, is that, are they really saying they can do this? <laughs> it was amazing. I was so, so excited. <laughs> I just and I really love it because I just I had it up on my bookshelf and I love the way there's the huia under the you know what I mean like the yes, huia yeah. colors go so well with the green as well they it's do just, really love it worked out really well at the book launch people were like okay so the next I think you should just have a whole line of neon covers oh. <laughs> like neon yellow neon blue, oh my god neon. <laughs> neon. I would love it <laughs> I know oh my god. I really you think about it. the bookshelves people do when they do their color color bookshelf like color books mm. covers on bookshelves and like lime green is a really hard one to find sometimes so I'm filling yeah. a niche uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the cover is spectacular and um yeah I love this book and I really hope that anyone who reads it enjoys it as well oh it's just it's so good thank you so thank much you. have a really thank you day. yeah Bye. you too thank, thank you. you okay um as far as an exercise or a response to this conversation um Casey and I talk a lot about existing structures um, and it's something that I found extremely helpful for generating story but also as a troubleshooter for stories. Um, I have a lot of trouble with um, certain narrative structures in the abstract like um, yeah three act you know like climax all that sort of thing um, denouement um, but I do I have watched a lot of television in my life and um, when it comes to sort of types of stories that I understand I find that an easier structure to work with when I'm trying to think about you know what's up with a story that I'm writing or a novel that I'm writing so um, this is what I thought you could do this is an exercise that I've used lots of times so um what I'm first asking you to do is think of a type of story. So it might be a romance, a whodunit, a first contact novel, that kind of thing. And then spend 30 seconds just writing down everything you know about that type of story. So it's a brainstorming exercise. Um, you might write rules, but you also might write um, about mood or tone as far as that story goes. Then I want you to do is take a second type of story. And then the final part of the exercise is that you write the second type of story using um, your list from the first type of story. So you might end up writing a romance using the rules of murder mystery or first contact novel or noir detective story. So this mixing and matching of types of story I think is really useful. Um, I have done this once with um, literary fiction as a genre and I think that was very interesting. Like what is it to write um, a romance using, um, you know, the rules of literary fiction? Because um, I think literary fiction is just another genre. I think, um, yeah, anyway, we could get into a long philosophical discussion about that. But um, so yeah, that's the exercise. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and um, stay safe and um, thanks very much. 